back again. This is the pickup. I'm Kevin Walsh. NFL season is fast, fast approaching. So let's get right into it and let's take off. All right, so we're going to take off with the Ezekiel Elliott situation, his contract holdout currently taking place, uh, the standoff between him and the Cowboys, mainly him and Jerry Jones. And this situation has been incredibly interesting. And with the Jalen Smith news that came out earlier in the week with the Cowboys giving him his contract extension, I wonder what that meant for these talks. And I wondered, could we be approaching a point where maybe Dallas and Zeke could be parting ways? But then it came out over the last 24 hours that the Cowboys are preparing to offer Ezekiel the second highest paid running back contract in football history, which is making this all the more interesting. The gap right there between what is the highest paid contract in Gurley and what is the current second paid contract, which is Le'Veon Bell, is $5 million. So if Zeke were to fall somewhere in that middle range, it could save Dallas, let's just say, $2 million. I think this is a very, very interesting approach from Dallas. Why is this $2 million, $3 million, whatever, it is so important to them. Why are they not willing to go that extra mile? And I'm sure people would say, well, you always want to be smart with your capital and you don't want to throw it away if you don't have to. But I actually think there's something bigger going on here between Ezekiel Elliott and Jerry Jones. The way this situation has unfolded, I think the relationship between the two of them has actually now become more interesting and something to watch, even more so than the actual contract itself. If you think about Ezekiel Elliott and his time in the NFL, he has had a lot of controversy, a lot of off-field stuff throughout his time in the league so far. And at every single turn, it has seemed like Jerry Jones has come to his defense. And now... A year early, or at least one year early, with two years left on Zeke's deal, he opts to hold out for a contract extension. And I'm starting to think that Jerry Jones is angered, bothered, and personally offended by that decision from Ezekiel Elliott. And now if you watch the way this has been going, I think there is a tear in that relationship. The other day, Jerry Jones, joking with reporters when asked about Zeke, replied, Zeke who? It then comes out from, I believe it was Adam Schefter, that Zeke and his agent didn't find that funny. And then Jerry Jones comes out and replies that, and he's adamant that he has earned that right to joke with Ezekiel Elliott. He's earned that right, looking even more bothered that he has to give this reply. Then going on and giving the contract to Jalen Smith and saying that he had been hinting that they were going to be giving a contract extension, just not the one that a lot of people had been talking about. And you're looking at all of this now. And now Jerry offers Zeke the second biggest running back contract of all time. And really, what is that 2 to $3 million that they might be saving in the process? It's just going to be repurposed into Dak money or Amari Cooper money or Byron Jones money. And those, 
I, I don't think you're going to be losing those deals over $2 million. And I don't think that Jerry Jones is going to be sitting down with Zeke's agent and convincing them that the girly contract was a bad piece of business and nobody will be seeing that money again. When you're of the talent of Ezekiel Elliott, when it is your time to be paid, you break the record for the highest contract at your position. To offer Zeke the second highest contract, it honestly feels like Jerry Jones is trolling Zeke at this point. And since the report has broken that the Cowboys are willing to give him that new deal, nothing from Zeke's camp. Not a single word. Probably because they've made it very clear to Jerry Jones in that Cowboys front office that they are demanding the highest running back contract in football history, which is no surprise. You would all expect Zeke to break Gurley's record, then McCaffrey to break Zeke's record, then Barkley to break McCaffrey's record, and so on and so forth. That is the way contracts in the NFL work. But this relationship now, from where I'm starting to see it, I think the tear might be there. And when you consider the personalities, I'm starting to wonder if they're... I'm starting to wonder if they've gotten to a point where they're not going to be able to fix it. And I'm starting to doubt that Zeke is going to be in Dallas for the long haul. Zeke had a gap in his career where he missed time on the field for Dallas because of a suspension. During that time frame, the Cowboys were awful. I mean, they were absolutely awful offensively. Tyrone Smith was missing at the same time, but Dak looked miserable. I'm not holding it past Ezekiel Elliott to sit out week one, week two, week three, just to see if he can send a message that Dallas needs him. But is Jerry then at that point going to cave? Or does Jerry say, we don't need him. We believe in Pollard. We believe in Dak and we're going to get the ship right. And we're going to play with people that want to be here. I think that this contract extension talk now is a lot more personal than business. And that makes me question the longevity of Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. All right, we're moving on to the preseason. Week three of the NFL preseason is usually the most anticipated week because it's the most that we see the starters all year long. In some cases, that was true. In other cases, people were still continuing to hold starters out. It's kind of been a mess of a preseason so far. Not a lot to get excited about. Although there was a big piece of injury news coming out of Thursday's games, which was Cam Newton having to leave the game with a foot injury in Week 3's preseason matchup against the Patriots. Now, I'm not going to sit here and bang the table about preseason football and it needing to be shorter or blaming the Panthers for having Cam Newton out there. That's really a waste of time. That stuff can all be handled elsewhere. If they shorten the preseason, great. They probably won't. I want to take this time to actually expand, though, a bit on the Carolina Panthers. I mentioned Monday that next week I'm going to be doing my NFL preview podcast, and the Panthers are one of the 
teams that I found most interesting as I was preparing for that. The Panthers might be the team who have the widest variety of outcomes, the widest margin of where they could end up falling in the NFL landscape. I truly believe that the Panthers can be placed in the Super Bowl contender tier, depending on how you tier that. If you close that off to only four teams, then no. But if you have a wider gap where you realize that a couple things need to hit, then I think the Panthers can fall into that range. I also think that their season could be an outright disaster. Now, this all comes down to Cam Newton and Cam Newton's health. And that might sound obvious because for any team, your quarterback's health is probably overwhelmingly the most important thing. The Patriots, the Saints, if they don't have Brady, if they don't have Breeze, it changes the entire outcome. Here's why I think it matters so much for Cam Newton. His injury risk is more prevalent than those other quarterbacks. And we see it here in this preseason game where it's not even the nagging, or I shouldn't say nagging, but the repaired shoulder that pops up. But now because he's a scrambling quarterback who's moving around more so in the pocket than others trying to extend those plays, he can open himself up to not only more hits, but just awkward landings. And that looked to be the case in this foot issue that he just picked up. Here's why I think the spectrum, though, is so great. Defensively, I love what the Panthers are bringing to the table. They might have the best front seven in football. You add Gerald McCoy, you add Brian Burns through the draft, Luke Keekley, Mario Addison, Kwan Short, tons of talent. Their secondary was the most banged up secondary in football last year. So while there's not a ton of talent, with health alone, they should be taking a step forward. They have the makeup of a top 10 defense. On the offensive side of the ball, this is the best offensive line that Cam Newton has likely ever played in front of. Signing Paredes away from the Broncos, Darrell Williams healthy for a full season, Greg Little, depending on his injury that he did pick up uh, in this same preseason game. If he's all good to go, they added a lot to like with this offensive line. Christian McCaffrey, bona fide superstar. A ton of people are excited about what DJ Moore can be this year, about what Curtis Samuel can be this year. And it all depends on Cam Newton. And it really lines up with Cam Newton because we've seen Cam play at a Super Bowl, or an MVP rather, level before. He's won the MVP. He's led his team to the Super Bowl. They went 15-1 and in a regular season. It was fantastic stuff. He has not been able to get back to that level yet. But you look at what he was last year through the first eight weeks, and Cam was the most efficient version of himself that he had ever been thanks to his new partnership with their offensive coordinator, Norv Turner. So if Cam can turn it back a bit to his MVP self and marry that with some of his newfound efficiency, then Cam Newton absolutely can win league MVP and take this Panthers team to a whole nother tier to the Super Bowl contendership. However, if this foot issue lingers, or if his repaired shoulder injury pops back up, then the season is completely lost. And we learned last year that that shoulder, 
doesn't necessarily have to knock him out, and they're playing with a backup quarterback for eight weeks for that to spell disaster. Through eight weeks last year, this Panthers team was 6-2. and two. They looked absolutely destined for a postseason spot, and they looked like they could make a run. Cam hurt his shoulder. They didn't win another football game the rest of the way. They finished the year 6-10. and 10. It was a disaster. And Cam played most of those games. I think he played 8 of the final 10 games without a win. So that is why the scale for where this team could end up is so wide. Because Cam is now a bit more injury prone. And he can, because he has the strength to play through it, he can stay on the field, but it can impact his play so greatly. But also, he is one of those quarterbacks that can get to an MVP level, and with the top 10 defense by his side and an improved offensive line, they might just make a Super Bowl. He could also play with injuries all year long, and they end up 5-11. and But I cannot wait to find out which one it is. Sticking with the preseason, the Miami Dolphins are maybe the most interesting team in the preseason because they're probably the only team with a true quarterback battle ongoing. The Giants aren't giving Daniel Jones a chance to take the job from Eli. Kyler Murray was handed the reins right away. Dwayne Haskins, similar boat to Daniel Jones. He's not taking the job away from Case Keenum there in Washington. But There is a battle between Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Week 3's preseason has continued to make the decision for Brian Flores, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, very, very easy. Josh Rosen absolutely needs to be this team's starting quarterback. Absolutely. There's a lot of talk, right, from people saying that It's very clear that the Dolphins should be starting Josh Rosen all 16 games to give themselves the opportunity to evaluate him to find out if he is their franchise quarterback. That is true, but that is a reason to keep Rosen in through the struggles. Week 1, they are playing the Baltimore Ravens, one of the best defenses in all of football. It could be disastrous. But you keep in the back of your mind that you should be taking all 16 games to evaluate Josh Rosen and you keep him in. That's where that comes into play. As far as determining who deserves to be the starter, it's irrelevant. Josh Rosen is the better quarterback. Josh Rosen gives this team the best chance to win football games, not Ryan Fitzpatrick. It is time for Fitzpatrick to accept the role that Josh McCown did for Sam Darnold last year in New York. Josh Rosen is the better quarterback. Fitzpatrick played the whole first half against the Jaguars and was miserable, miserable. So much so that Flores put him back out there to start the third quarter so he could come away with something positive. And finally, against the Jags' fourth string, Fitzpatrick was able to put something together. 
The game was so awful because Fitzpatrick was terrible and Gardner Minshew was in for the most part for the Jaguars that the quarterback play was miserable, the crowd was out of it, the players were out of it. And then Josh Rosen took the field on his own one-yard line and woke up his whole team, the whole stadium, and led them on a 99-yard touchdown drive. Because that's the type of quarterback he is. He is a leader, and he will be a leader for this Miami Dolphins team. You absolutely, week one, should see Josh Rosen as the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. This is a team that can find out the answer through 16 games as to whether he is their franchise guy, regardless if they end up picking top five or not. Because there are still a ton of issues. And keep that in mind. That this offensive line is still very, very bad. And that Kenny Stills is probably their best offensive skill player. With all due respect to Kenny Stills, he should not be anybody's best offensive skill player. There is not a ton to work with there for Josh Rosen. But if you evaluate the position smartly... And most importantly, you give him enough chances, you can find out the answer. But above all else, if you want to win football games, the Miami Dolphins, your best option at quarterback, is chosen Josh Rosen. Okay, we're going to close this out with some college football talk. Talked about John Harbaugh on Monday's podcast. I'm going to talk about Oklahoma today because I think Oklahoma is a team that I'm viewing very differently than a lot of people. A lot of people are putting Oklahoma in their top four or in their college football playoff when we're going to get to that point, their preseason predictions. And I'm not seeing it. I am not seeing it at all. First of all, the issue of limited spots comes up in this case. And it's part of the reason why I do want them at some point to move to an 18 playoff, but that's not the purpose of this. If we think about Clemson being absolutely locked in, that's one of your spots. Bama and Georgia will absolutely be taking up another one. That's halfway done. If Bama and Georgia end up playing each other as unbeaten powerhouses, which they are favored to do, then the loser is still going to get in. That leaves one spot for the winner of the Big Ten, which could be Ohio State or Michigan, who I believe both teams are better than Oklahoma. That leaves just one spot for potentially the winner of the Pac-12, maybe a Notre Dame. Could even be a different winner coming out of the Big 12. And that's really my main reason why I am lower on Oklahoma, and it's not even really waving the flag on Texas. It's just that Oklahoma is going to be taking a big step back. This team has been to the college football playoff consecutive seasons. They've also had the Heisman winner consecutive seasons. They have also had the number one overall pick in the NFL draft in consecutive seasons. Why anybody is comfortable thinking that Jalen Hurts is going to come in 
and be able to replace Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray is absolutely beyond me. Passer efficiency rating in the history of college football, in the history of college football, three of the four best single-season passer efficiency ratings are the last three consecutive seasons from the Oklahoma quarterback, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. I've watched Jalen Hurts before. He's one of the most interesting stories of the year. He is not a good thrower of the football. Yes, he will tear up some Big 12 defenses on the ground. Yes, he has skill weapons that he will be able to take advantage of. Yes, Lincoln Riley is one of the best coaches in all of college football. No, you are not going to be able to that easily replicate consecutive Heisman winners who went on to both be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, who had the second and third best passer efficiency rating marks in the history of everdom of college football. That is not happening. And I don't know why people are comfortable thinking that that is going to happen. And Oklahoma has needed that production to get into the college football playoff. The Big 12 has not been that strong over the past two years, and they've dropped games both times. Both times they've dropped games. Now, with this offense taking a step back, it puts more pressure on their awful defense. And yes, they've brought in a new defensive coordinator, and some people are excited by it and think that it can bring some change. But it's still the Big 12, and it's still Oklahoma. I don't think that this is much of a hot take. I, I mean, I'm, and it's probably not. But I've just, I feel like way too many people are comfortable giving Oklahoma a spot in a college football playoff in a year where Clemson, Bama, and Georgia all seemingly have a stranglehold on three of the four available positions, and the Big Ten has Michigan and Ohio State who are both better than Oklahoma. Not enough people are accounting for the fact that Jalen Hurts has to come in and replace back-to-back Heisman winners. People are instead entertaining the idea of Jalen Hurts winning the Heisman. It's absurd. It's absolutely ridiculous. Oklahoma, no college football playoff this year. That'll do it for the podcast. As usual, thank you guys so much for stopping by. Make sure you subscribe. Drop that rate if you want to find me over on Twitter. It is at the Kevin Walsh. Thank you so much for stopping by, and I'll see you next time.